0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to The Vulnerable Entrepreneurs, coming at you from the great city of Worcester, Massachusetts. I'm Sean Riley,
1: And I'm Kamen Thrath.
0: And today, like always, we're having a no-bullshit conversation about the entrepreneurial way of
1: life. Hey, Sean, so congratulations. I know that you're now fully retired. Yeah. Does that mean you're not helping entrepreneurs anymore?
0: No, I gave it up. (laughs) Serving ice cream at Sullivan's Ice Cream Stand in South Boston. (laughs) No.
1: I see. I see. Now you just roll out of bed, rock a sweatshirt. just Yeah. Don't shave. Really, nothing is
0: any different than I was before. I just prettied up when I had to, but, you know.
1: <laughs> this is why I'm now come full circle on the COVID. I like the remoteness of it all. Good. I wasn't sure if you got going to show up today, you know, to our, our friendly podcast.
0: It's funny. It all started with you because you told me to get rid of the office space, which we did. And then it has been a downward spiral since then. I don't even think Rob wears shoes anymore. I think he just wears sandals all the time. So
1: Yeah, it's good. So I saw a guy yesterday in Birkenstocks. Bucks. Yep. And it was like 9 degrees outside. Yeah, I can't I can't do that.
0: I, I just think that if you're going to make a Birkenstock statement, do it during the summer months. There's no need to be walking around outside with wool socks and Birkenstocks on. Just no need. Jerry Garcia's dead. People
1: that are half of what they used to be. There's just no need for it. All right. I think a lot of people's attention spans are pretty short these days. So we're to jump in today's topic, something that we run into pretty often, is understanding like what do you need to do depending on your maturity level of your business, you know, if if you're a startup, what do you need to focus on versus like, you know, if you're somewhat established after a few years and you kind of get to the next level and then and then maybe trying to exit. But I think majority of times people are in the bubble or category of startup. What do you typically see when you're considering someone for investment or, you know, some funding? What is it that you wish that they could have done better that they're not coming in prepared? So
0: there's a couple of things. First off is they have a preconceived idea of where they're going to focus the investment capital to. So you have your traditional startup, which is really in today's world, post bootstrap so you've begged and borrowed money from your friends and family and all that and you've got the company up and put together and legally organized right and then you're just starting to do whatever you need to do and then you go into what we call startups which is really the first round in either private investment money or semi-institutional money like there are funds that exist for investing just in startups you know etc but what i see a lot of the times is that they're trying to fit their square peg into this round pitch idea hole and what do i mean by that okay well we're a startup company we're developing this new technology but we're going to put 40% of our budget into marketing well what you don't even know if the thing works Are you worried about who you going to sell it to you need to understand the market is who you're going to sell it to but there should you need to fail quietly You don't want to be marketing the hell out of something that then you have to turn around and deliver on. You want to be able to deliver it, have it running and being going, if it's technology or a device or a product, go through beta testing and versions 1.5, 2.0, dare I say 3.0 before you even come up with your marketing plan. Because a lot of times your marketing plan is going to be written around some of the functionality of that product or service. And that might not even be developed yet. So I think companies put themselves in a real disadvantage when they're like, oh my God, we have to execute on the marketing plan. Developing one is great. Executing on one, you're at beta stage zero of a product or service, I think is a misappropriation of those funds. You should put a little bit into it, but not a huge amount of, capital, especially investment capital, we're your market. We're the investors. We want to see the thing light up before we go tell you what shelves you're going to put it on in a store. Like, you know what I mean? We'll see the thing work.
1: As a marketer, you know, I got to defend this a little bit where I see your point there, Sean, right? You're right. It's not a good idea to go all in until you got some social proof or you know, even an MVP of minimal viable product to show like, okay, this is what my audience wants, right? You gotta test it out there. You gotta talk to people, but you still gotta work on the branding part. I think at the very least, from beginning stage and throughout the life cycle, you gotta just work on the branding. And what I mean by branding is educating people. So that we look at it as like three funnels of content. The top funnels is education, like explain what it does. How does it solve? Show the benefits what it is. Educate, be a thought leader. Then that middle funnel, the second stage is kind of like consideration. So let's say if you're a newer product into this, they don't know who you are, but they recognize other brands. How are you going to compete with those brands? So you're trying to get into this market, you're trying to get some traction. Well, do some comparison, maybe do product comparison, maybe do solution comparisons so you can educate people on what that looks like. That could be an infographic, that could be a blog article, that could be videos of you talking to someone and they, you record them trying your product. Kind of like when when people were doing the, uh, was it the Pepsi versus Coca-Cola, like wine tasting and like and stuff like that. And then the bottom of the funnel type of content might be like free sample, free demo, something that gets them, uh, entices them to try the product. But really most of the time, you got to focus on the top and the middle, which is like the education side. You don't have to spend a lot of money. That's just you recording yourself talking. And then there's a lot of free tools out there to do video. You can put, put it on social media. There's a ways to bootstrap this stuff and test the audience if they like it. And then once you kind of say, okay, I think I need to, to invest now to kind of make my collateral look more professional i want to amplify my message i want to pay some people to help do this i'm a one person shop i don't have the bandwidth to always be out there doing you know messaging those are the next level things to consider but yeah i think you have to exhaust that first like bootstrapping level and validate the audience before you go all in
0: i i agree i think that you need to uh, it's certainly, and this is your bailiwick, not mine, but certainly create the marketing plan. You just shouldn't be spending a, a, a larger percentage on executing that plan until you prove your hypothesis. Like I said, we're interested in investing in the company because we believe in the management team and what they're doing. Well, the what they're doing is the product or service. And we need to be convinced that the thing lights up when you say it's going to light up because having a great Instagram account isn't going to make the thing light up. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. On the flip side, you have some really good messaging and marketing exposure and brand awareness. And all of a sudden now, now the rubber has to meet the road. Like does the product or solution work? Right. So what do you like to see? Is there's like a number or does it depend on the product or, or, or what it is? Like if it's an expensive unit, Do you need to see a few pieces of it working versus, or do you always need to see a minimum of like a hundred, like if it's sales or proof of concept, like, is there a minimum? No,
0: there's never a minimum. And as soon as we say there's one, it's just completely thrown out. Like if somebody asked me a few months ago, well, how long should a pitch be? I mean, I've sat in ones that are fully engaged that are 45 minutes an hour. And I've sat in some very effective ones that are less than 20 minutes. So really the, the focus should be on, in this particular case, what you're talking about as opposed to the length of it. There isn't a magic number in anything. You could attest to this yourself. The first question I'm sure a lot of people ask you is, well, what percentage of sales should my marketing budget be? Or what percentage of revenue should I spend on marketing? I, I don't know. As soon as you throw the dart, you're going to be wrong. Like it, it depends on market. It depends on maturation. It depends on saturation. It depends on what are the buying habits of of the people or things that are buying, and who are those people and things. It depends on what does the horizon look like. Also, what impacts it. You know, if you're a new business in a maturing industry, are you spending more on marketing or less? You could make that argument either way. And so, yeah, not quite a one for one you need to understand your market and you need to understand what your message is, but there's no magic number in terms of like manufacturing or tech. When you have a product or service, we like to understand the market, where it's going, who the consumer is, who the end consumer is, and what the kind of long tail of that market is. Is it a 10 year market? Is 20 year market is a, we have no idea. And then how are you going to tap into that market over time? It's not really at the beginning a speed thing where if you hit this number, then we're satisfied. We want to understand that you have a number, whatever it is, and that you're able to hit that and how you're going to hit it. We really don't care what the number is as long as you can back it up, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, because it also depends, I think, on the person. you know, Because opportunity could come in different forms. It's not always this formula to your point or a framework, right? It's like, if you see something, you got one proof of concept, but both parties see the potential, then it's really up to the investor, right? To say, Hey, I'm going to help you guys take this to the next level versus maybe another product or service that has a little competition, need a little bit more proof of concept. So you need more. So I think to your point earlier, there's a lot of variables that make it depend. I mean, yeah.
0: It's interesting. Like I always go back to, because this is a great example, the huge consumer shift away from, I'll just create this big bucket and call it cable TV, where you have the traditional box that is way too big for whatever it's sitting on and attaches to your TV and you get packages of channels. There's a Huge consumer move away from that. There are younger millennials that don't even have what you and I would call traditional TV. They don't have cable, they have streaming. You can watch anything on a streaming service except local news. And we all know how those stations are just dying. But when we, you and I, started to get cable, it was a huge marketing blitz. That marketing has actually decreased in a market where they are absolutely struggling to survive. I don't see too many Xfinity cable ads. I see a lot of them for internet and this service, and oh, by the way, we can stream these channels. But you don't see a push for marketing new cable providers. They're for the same. And there's just, so it's a hugely matured market. It's actually a a disintegrating market. And yet you don't see any push, I don't see it anyways, of these companies that exist in that market t- to have any type of increased marketing push. I don't see it at all.
1: It's it's not necessary, but they're transitioning, right? They're getting feedback from the audience. They care more about internet speed because everyone's streaming and you know, providing any other type of like wireless or streaming service. And every business needs to market one way or another. You, you mentioned earlier, like, what's the budget how much is it it is a common question that that we get and it's not a formula it's never a formula if you see it working so let's say the easiest analogy is like for every $2 or you no know, every $10 you spend on let's say paid advertising you get you know $2 back so for every 10 you make 20 well that's up to you now so do i put a thousand dollars into this, ten thousand, hundred thousand. So, if you know when you're getting ROI back, it's up to you. So, that's why, like, it's not a set budget. It's based on how aggressive you want to be to like capture that market, or if you have the budget. But I mean, again, if it's making you money, but you got to make sure you understand what is making you money, what channels of marketing is making you money. Is it partnerships? Is it referrals? Is it networking? Is it paid advertising? Is it organic? Traffic is it social? You know, you got to really understand all these metrics. So then you know what what levers to pull up or down, because you know, good marketing should pay for itself. And some stuff that's there's just, just a barrier of entry. Like sometimes you just have to make this investment to then see it work, and then you can start you know calculating the ROI on it. Um, right.
0: Plus the biggest unknown too is you can write these great marketing plans where you understand the market, you understand the consumer, and all that. But what a lot of times is missing is the saturation point of that market in other words you reese's peanut butter cups is going to send me a commercial on tv or on social media or on whatever website i go to 10 times a day that doesn't mean because they sent 10 times a day i'm going to eat 10 reese's Butter cups though if you send it twice i might have two but if that same marketing plan isn't going to scale to this this completely unsaturated market we're now because you're you've increased your budget by 10,000% that I'm going to eat 10,000 more peanut butter cups it doesn't work mm. that way. So you have to understand to your point yeah, $10 gets you 20 but $20 might not get you 40. It might get you 30 or 25. Right? So you could do 10 for 20 all day long, but the moment you increase, you're not seeing the saturation point. You're not seeing that you can only market to that level of effectiveness. For a certain period of time, there's an age factor that's that huge.
1: Well, people don't know your weakness is potato chips. I think every commercial you see, you do eat more of that. Maybe not candy, Sean, but potato chips. That's
0: very good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially lately. You're
1: right. Good point. Uh, <laughs> Excellent. So, so when it comes to messaging, I think this is the, the last point. I want to really kind of make sure we both hit home here. There's so many moving pieces, but if you really kind of peel back the onion, I think it really just comes down to understanding how to present and just clearly articulate the messaging of what what you do. Yes. What's the best advice? And give us some examples of like some really bad examples of of, like maybe some bad pitches that you've heard. And I think you even told me you even told some people to stop. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've had a thousand more bad ones than good ones, but Really, there's three pieces of advice. And this is not just for pitching. This is also for growing or starting a company as an entrepreneur. First of all, it starts at the leadership level. So as the entrepreneur or founder of founders, be yourself. Do what you have a passion for. Don't fake it. You have to be yourself. You can write the most brilliant marketing. You know this yourself. You've gone to marketing meetings where you create a great marketing plan and you can tell that the founders or decision makers just aren't into it. Cause they're not into their product. They're not passionate about we talked about this uh, last season about your purpose, you have to align with your purpose before you, you know, sign the articles of incorporation, be true to yourself, understand what your purpose is and what the purpose of the company is. Secondly, and I think this is actually the most important with pitching, with marketing, with any founder that is standing up in front of a group of people, whether it's investors, customers, whoever you have to speak in your own voice. You can't pitch me in a canned PowerPoint presentation. I I don't care. I want to hear you as you. You speak in terms of a canned presented pitch. We're going to hear that. We're going to hear that by not hearing you, right? You have to speak in your own voice. If it's not eloquent and it's not tight, that's okay. I want to hear your passion. Passion sells. Commas and periods don't. It, it doesn't. So be true to yourself. Understand your purpose and speak that purpose in your own voice. The second thing is don't be different or say you're different because you think that's what investors or the market looks for. We, we don't always buy because it's different or new. We might try it, but be true to your product or service. Be true to your company. Give back to your company in terms of creativity and innovation and, and coming up with, with new ways to educate, as you say, your product or service. D- don't invent the wheel just because there hasn't been a new wheel invented in a thousand years. The round wheel we all use now works just fine. You might have a better or different wheel that's the same type of wheel you just have a a different way of using it or selling it that's what we're interested in don't just you know say we're new and different as soon as somebody says we're new or yeah we have this is brand new i kind of think like okay when does this not become not new is it two years is it five years is that you know coca-cola was new at one point it's not new anymore. It's the same Coke, but you see different commercials. You see different marketing campaigns. You see different things that they're involved in as a company. You see different missions. It's the same Coca-Cola.
1: I I get the same thing when we're, we're always trying to help them with brand positioning. You know, it's like, what's your value proposition or unique value proposition? And everyone says a lot of the same things. We've been around the longest or this has been family owned or, you know, we have like the fastest, they're all saying very similar terminology. But then if you peel the onion. It's like, is that really is what's making the difference? But sometimes it goes back to it's the people, it's the process. Cause to you exactly. earlier, Sean, it, it might not really, you're not really the wheel. You might be just making it a, a little bit better, but it's still the wheel. So let's make sure you clearly articulate what that is. Um, Because, again, you don't want to confuse the market or give the wrong impression if you really say you are new, unique, or different.
0: Yeah, and and the thing is being new or unique or different is very easy to say. But once you aren't to the consumer, it's game over because now it becomes a, a trust and integrity thing. Well, I thought you said you're new. This looks the same. Oh, well, you know, like. Then you just get into, I'm sure you deal with this all the time, but some type of marketing span, or we got to do it a different way. You got to be true to, like I said, be true to yourself, your company, and speak in your own voice. If it's the same wheel, tell us it's the same wheel. Just tell us why you're different. We're not going to, you know, slam the denied stamp down immediately because you said it's kind of the same as a Reese's peanut butter cup, only it's not. Go to the store. There are a lot of peanut butter cups there, and every one of them has market share. So it's okay to be similar. You know what I mean? Just make sure you speak in your own voice and tell us. Don't give us a unique pitch just because you think it makes a difference that your pitch is that unique. I had one, but it was just unbelievable because it was a science product. So the last place you want to insert comedy is in technology, science, medical science, technology product. And they had cartoons and their pitch was essentially like a yay, ha, ha take on something that's very serious. I actually liked the creativity. It was absolutely the wrong way to pitch what you're doing because, you know, you have to understand the audience that you're pitching to. And, you know, yeah, it might be funny for me and I could kind of see through that. A lot of investors in that space, I mean, in that particular industry, you have specific investors that only invest in that space. And, you know, if you think the pitch is trying to be funny, then you're going to think the, you might think the founders are funny and then they lose a little bit of credibility. You know what I mean? You drive by a house, the lawn isn't mowed. Well, you're going to think the HVAC hasn't been upkept, the seller leaks. It's probably a dump and needs to be painted. Not for any of proof of that, but just because the lawn is sloppy. So you know what I mean? Like you got to kind of really know who your audience is. And again, it's not contrasting what I said where, well, do I speak in that voice? No, you speak in your own voice. But if it's a serious product that you're trying to remember, you're trying to get investment capital or in your world, you're trying to attract a consumer base. And in your world, it's actually, I would argue a little bit harder than mine because you're trying to not just attract New money, you're trying to keep money from coming in. You're trying to grow revenue, which assumes you have revenue to begin with. So you have to be able to speak in your own voice and just kind of stay within the lane a little bit of the particular market or investor type, if that's even a thing that you're pitching to. Just be mindful of that. I had one, this is a famous example. I, I was reading the pitch and I had known the entrepreneur for a while. And I was halfway, not even halfway through it, three slides into it. And I said, who wrote your pitch? Oh, well, I had, a, you know, had this company do it. It doesn't even sound like you. And what's worse is, would you ask a question about a slide in the deck? They don't sound anything like the tone of the deck that was written because they didn't write it. So I'm like, that's a pass. Like you're creating something out of nothing and you're trying to sell it. First to investors and then to a market. And what you're saying to me is that you don't have the time, the wherewithal, or the desire to write the reason, which is what a pitch deck is, that we should give you money. That's a pass. It's Mm (laughs) sorry. Write your own pitch. I would rather, honestly, I give the people that put the cartoons in it that completely missed the boat. I give them way more credit than someone who spent five grand and had these professional pitch writers write the pitch. I and mean, we've been asked to do it. Hey, can you help us? Can you write the pitch? Absolutely not. I can give you examples and I can tell you to some degree what works and what doesn't. I will not write a pitch deck. You just changed your voice into a computer voice. That's what
1: you've done. Well, I think in that scenario. So, so if you're a scientist, you might not be comfortable presenting, right? And you're just very technical. Maybe you have a very engineering type of Way of explaining something i think it's okay to like lean on someone and say hey can you make this more conversational work it but you have to be the core driver of the tone how you want it to be presented but it's okay to ask for help but just don't completely like give that responsibility to someone else without your involvement so i think it's okay I,
0: yes i think help is one thing outsourcing it is completely <laughs> It's just different. You know, we don't expect everybody to write a perfect pitch because there's no such thing. The other thing too, I would say is, look, if you're going to be pitching or if you're going to be asking for money, take a class on a pitch deck, go go to a VC forum. I think you can even look at YouTube videos of pitches and reviews of pitches just to get an idea. You know, we don't expect everybody to be a professional pitch writer. Honestly, I hope you're not because that's not why you exist. And it's not why we're interested in, you know, by listening. to you. And, you know, that goes to is that there's this misnomer. I, I said this a, a little while ago. There's this misnomer of the pitch is the only opportunity you get. It, it's actually the first. All you're doing in a pitch is getting me interested enough that I'm going to take another meeting with you. That's probably going to be an hour long and really get into the nuts and bolts and really open up spreadsheets and understand where you're getting these numbers. The pitch is not, oh my God, I got to go in there and I got to get the commitment today. You're you're not going to get it. But the biggest success from a pitch is getting the next meeting with the full partnership or the investment committee or whoever it is, such that now it's a more comfortable, conversational, less, you know, pitches get a little bit, they take on a, a really bad rap because there's so much pressure put on it. And for that reason, like, I got to get the commitment from this pitch. No, that's not the intent. The intent is to get the next meeting and then get the next one and the next one and then get the commitment. You don't get a commitment off the original pitch.
1: So Sean, uh, of the three tips, right? Number one was, you know, have your own brand tone. Make it be you, authentic to you. Number two was, you know, you don't have to say that your product or service is new, unique, or different. Be cautious about that. And then- what do you feel like number three is? You mentioned number three.
0: Yeah, I think the third thing is really what we t- touched on originally, which is to understand what your mission and purpose is as an entrepreneur first, but then as a company. Because if that doesn't come through in the pitch, if we don't understand your why, then it's just another product. We don't care how special it is. Like, we, we don't care that Jeff Bezos goes to space. We want to know why. It, if we care that he went to space, it's, it's interesting, but we might not buy it or invest in it. If we understand the why, he wants to turn it into a consumer activity, or he wants to make it a legitimate way of travel, or he wants to de-governmentalize the whole space kind of industry. Okay, well, that we can really get our teeth in and be interested in that because that's a why, why you're doing it. We want to understand that the first thing. So it's really understanding what your why is, which you and I have talked about a ton of times, speaking in your own voice and be new and be new to market and unique and different because you're new to market, unique and different, not just because that's what slide three says in the pitch deck that says marketing ideas and you're supposed to put we're so different i mean juice is yeah. juice. there's a lot of juices being sold in the grocery store right
1: and that's okay like even you know we have clients in a very competitive marketplace let's say if it's a lawyer their why is different from another firm's why so like your juice is a different why because people are purchasing and buying and aligning and creating loyalty towards a brand because of their why, if everything was equal, right, their product was equal, the why is a differentiator. And it doesn't need to be a differentiator where you need to capture the whole market. Like you can have like this market, you can't win everyone over. So you find the, the, the audience that's gonna be attracted to you for your why, your purpose, and for your product. And, and that's okay.
0: Yeah, you said this before, the, the majority of reasons why people invest or buy a product or stay loyal to a product is the store. It's not because your orange juice says extra pulp and that's what it has in it. We don't care. We want to understand what makes you unique because you're unique, not just because you think you have to say that word.
1: You know what I mean? And That's the reason why, you know, Apple products have a certain, there's a certain brand in emotion to that. Because like every other competitor, like when you look at the comparables between Apple and Samsung, like tech stack wise, specification wise, they're pretty comfortable
0: Oh, like, yeah, it's the whole Simon Cynic circle thing. Exactly, you
1: know? <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. The difference is now is like, what Talk, is the feeling you'll get? Right, exactly. When you purchase that brand. Right. And what type exactly. of community are you becoming part of because you have that brand?
0: Why? <laughs> exactly. You're exactly right. Every smartphone out there does the exact same thing. There's no yeah. difference. It's the wheel. They're all wheels. They're just a different way of going after. And to your point, I like, you know, brand awareness or product awareness is important, but what's becoming much more important is the why and the message of the company, not necessarily the product. Like when you, you know, you didn't really care about when you put a rotary phone in your house, you didn't care about who made the phone. It's not the product, it's what did it do? Was it better than the one you had before from a service perspective? Did it get delivered? Was the service quicker? All that stuff, that makes a huge difference. And now it's even more so where they want to know the story. Why do you exist? Why does the company exist? What is the founder's purpose? We don't care about how great the thing is. We care
1: about the story behind it. There it is, folks. Quick, short, and dirty, but some good examples there. So hopefully, you know, depending on where you are in the level stage, you know, these are some good fundamentals that you can be focusing on to get to the next level. Another priceless mm-hmm. gem from the Vulnerable Entrepreneurs. Until next time. Find us on Facebook and LinkedIn at the Vulnerable Entrepreneurs. Twitter and Instagram at the V-E Podcast. The VE, Vulnerable Entrepreneur Podcast. And join the conversation by visiting us on our website, podcast.com, and email us at hello at thevepodcast.com.
0: Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. That wraps it up. We understand that every minute of your day is valuable, and we appreciate you spending time with us today.